It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. Tonight's tale of terror comes from the Trick or Treaters podcast. Join them as they journey into the horrifying unknown. <laughs> you are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast, part of the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Movie reviews, horror news, and all the gory details. Listen if you dare. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of the Trick or Treaters podcast. I'm your host, Kyle, and I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, JR. JR, how are you doing today, brother? We, as we were recording, it is July 28th. We're Almost the end of July, seven months down, the year 2021. As we're finishing up our summer selection of horror, we've seen a lot of great films throughout the month of July. Starting from I Know What You Did Last Summer, Jaws, the original Friday 13th. And now as we move on to our final one for this month, it's been a great month. Um, and I'm excited for our next month when we start covering our Netflix selections. Um we're also beginning, as for those of you who don't know, I work in higher education, so we're beginning to work on the new school year and it's starting to open up, getting back into the classrooms, getting back into offices, welcoming students back um, in this new, I guess, sense of normalcy that we're all dealing with. And so it's a very interesting time. And in addition to that, just gearing up for a lot of events that are coming our ways um, as people have listened to us should know that you know i'm going to wrestling events in the next coming months you're going to hhn and uh you know we're getting a chance to experience a lot of uh bucket list items that we weren't able to in the previous 17 months yeah i'm i'm excited about it but you know uh now unfortunately i've uh and, and now, unfortunately, we've we've had some some bad news uh, recently. Uh, yesterday, uh, the the CDC has informed everybody that they uh, want uh, even vaccinated people to start wearing masks indoors in in hot spots. I mean, I hate that they said in hot spots because that leaves room for people to just openly ignore it. it you know, j- just come out and say. If you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, please wear your damn mask. Well, uh, if you're indoors, like it's not that hard to do. I don't know why they won't just come out and say that, but yeah, unfortunately, you know, you know, I hate to always bring this up on our show, but these uh, these fucking idiots who won't get vaccinated or refuse to wear a mask are going to cause us to end up probably getting in, in, in into another round of, of this shit. Yeah, you know, it's just obviously, you know, this is a trigger treaters podcast. It's about horror movies, but at the end of the day, you know, this is our daily lives that we deal with. You know, everybody in the, in across the nation, across the world, and it it is unfortunate. And I know, um, you know, there's a lot of discussions that I know you and I have off have a, have had off the air. I've had off the air 
with people um, who are a part of our inner circle, uh, people, colleagues of mine. And it just boils down to the bottom line. And I know it probably will make a difference, but, you know, I'll summarize it like this. Coronavirus, COVID-19 is a variant of the SARS virus that's been around for 20 years. And with that, COVID-19 has already mutated and have multiple variants. As we're seeing now, the Delta variant is what's taken over the United States. About 83% of new cases are the Delta variants. There's another one looking at called the Lambda variant that's coming out of India. And I know what people say. It's like, well, you have a 98% chance of surviving. You know, I don't need the vaccine and, you know, versus this experimental vaccine. This, this information has been around for 20 years because that's how long it's been. And the way I, the best thing I can explain it as is when they when the government put in hundreds of millions of dollars into Operation Warp Speed, they didn't start on level one. They basically had a, you know, a game shark and were already jumped to level 10 in the research. So that information was already put together and they ramped up, at, you know, with clinical trials and stuff like that as fast as possible because of this airborne virus. And in addition to that, um, I think people have already made up their mind, which is unfortunate that no matter what happens, they're still not going to get the vaccine. But what I've always told everybody is that it's not the fact that you would, the 90% of people that survive and 2% that potentially die. It's the percentage of individuals who survive and what is that life altering effects of that? Because I can tell you as somebody who had 15 cases of COVID in their family, I had three deaths of COVID in my family. I've had people including myself that had dealt with uh, breathing issues because of COVID that I potentially have to deal with the rest of my life. Luckily, I don't think I'm that bad as others. There are people who had significant damage to their lungs that will leave them on oxygen for the rest of their lives, potentially, and potentially need lung transplants. That's bad. And so when we're moving to these mask mandates again, the whole thing is essentially telling people we're going to put these mask mandates in place. This is going to be a new normalcy until we get these vaccine numbers up. And I know because of obviously since last year, this has become a whole political thing, but man, in, unless you are eating grilled chicken breasts and cucumbers and broccoli for every single meal and you're drinking water and you're organic and grass fed meat, you know, people are like, I don't know what this medication, you know how much stuff people put in their system. That's like, I don't know what's in there. I mean, as somebody who I don't drink as much as I used to, I used to drink alcohol. I used to smoke cigars. I used to smoke cigarettes when I used to go to Vegas. I've done a lot worse damage to my body than getting the COVID-19 vaccination. And you know what? Now that I'm fully vaccinated, I feel comfortable and confident going out there. And I don't feel that I that me personally, I'm going to uh, get sick. I potentially may be a carrier that could affect other people. But that's, you know, and people are saying like, well, since you have it, you shouldn't be worried. I said, I'm not worried about me getting sick. I'm I, you know, if I'm being humane, I'll worry about other people getting sick. But what I am worried about is that they don't want the governments don't want hospital beds getting filled because what they've also seen as part of this, it's called um I'm trying to get a direct term, but it was a byproduct of COVID, unfortunately, that people that got sick and died 
or or were injured and died that couldn't get treatment due to hospitals that were filled with COVID-19 patients. So people not getting treatment because of because COVID-19 was taking over hospital wards and ICU units. Um, and that's that's bad because if you had a situation, let's say you had a broken arm or for some, you know, or anything like that, you could possibly have a delayed uh, visit to a hospital because of where they're at with their IC or ICUs or somebody that deals with cancer and stuff like that. And there's a lot of it that goes into it. And like I said, this isn't the entire place for it. But in the grand scheme of things, like I said, I encourage people because to get the vaccine, you know, my what I've seen, half of the America has gotten vaccinated. It's going to get, in my opinion, if you look at politics, it's going to be FDA full approved in the very near future. And there's and that's just how it's going to be. And people are going to get mandated, as you've seen. Federal workers are going to get mandated. State workers are getting mandated. Higher uh, colleges, universities are going to get mandated. Um, you know, NFL players are getting are dealing with a form of mandated, uh, being mandated with it. And and if you don't, there is going to be, you know, repercussions about it. And I know people say, you know, this is America, we got freedoms. And I'm, you know, one of these days we may, you and I may have a political talk. We don't talk about trick or treating horror, and we'll get into that. But um, I just highly encourage people because if you want that, if you want that opportunity to go around not wearing masks anymore and feeling like everything's going to be normal, you don't have to fear shutdowns. It's probably a good idea to get vaccinated. Yep. Like JR said, you know, get your vaccines and, and wear your damn mask. Uh, I went ahead uh, even before the, before the CDC, well, once I heard the CDC was making an, uh, an announcement, uh, I, I was like, yeah, they're, this is, they're probably about to announce that they're about to start enforcing masking. But also, I'd saw a, uh, I saw a live update uh, for for COVID update uh, on social media where this doctor was giving like this live press conference about the, the Delta variant and stuff, and the comments was just awful. It was literally just people like bitching about about it say, uh, saying a bunch of batshit crazy conspiracies or saying they're taking away their freedom or you know all this other stuff and i was just like yeah i think i'm just gonna start wearing a mask again you know i don't trust, I don't trust these people and you know i'm gonna say this i don't like wearing i hate wearing masks i don't want to wear a mask and this is going to be a forum and, I, and I, I don't know how a better way to say it mask mandates are going to be used as a form of punishment to encourage people to get vaccinations and i don't and you can people can say whatever they want, like I have freedoms or I have rights. At the end of the day, a business or any place can do whatever they can enforce mask mandates. They can put mask mandates. The CDC for the interest of public health, the federal government, state governments can put in put in these mandates in the interest of public health. And the one thing I will tell people. While granted, there has been situations, as we've seen, especially when it comes to First Amendment rights, uh, Fourth Amendment rights, where Supreme Court, you know, ruled in the favor of people who brought up a case against government um, overreach, where it's limiting free speech. The one thing is, as we've gotten to this point, and I will say this when it comes to vaccine mandates and mask mandates. The federal government is going to mandate employees to get the vaccine. Hire, 
a lot of colleges and universities are are doing the vaccine mandates for faculty, staff, and empo- and employees. Um, you're seeing hospitals. You're seeing this in the NFL. The NFL is it's a little bit different. I I don't know the full aspects, but it, there is a some form of mandate. I will say this: there is going to be a form of punitive punishment for people if they contract COVID and are not vaccinated. That they're going to lose some fight. There's going to be some financial repercussions. I know that at least. So with all that being said, and I'll, to to anybody that's listening to this, that's kind of like you know that may be saying you know I don't know. We're talking about millions and millions of dollars in retainers and legal experts and attorneys that have reviewed laws, reviewed um, different articles, have gone through this, done the research. Even if you knew nothing about, you know, the legal system and your and rights and freedoms, the one thing you can say is that people who get paid millions of dollars and i'm saying across all the combined between you know federal employees state employees education because you know college universities have lawyer legal attorneys too you don't think they've all you know done the research to determine like yeah we can enforce vaccine mandates and mask mandates in addition to that the department of justice had also came out saying that businesses can enforce vaccine mandates because what's going to boil down to is people will say, guess what? You don't have to come into our business. You don't have to come into come to our university. You don't have to be a patron. And if you don't like this rule, you can find another job. Nothing's going to stop you from seeking employment elsewhere. That's what's going to boil down to. And if you think that's a form of bullying, at the same time, when it comes to a form of the interest of public health, People, you know, governments and businesses are have rights that extend more, you know, more to your own personal freedoms when it comes to, for the lack of a better word, the greater good. And I will just end it on that because, you know, we've already spent way too much time talking about this. But like I said, if you if you don't want to wear masks anymore and you just want to, you know, do this, like I said, the vaccine, I'm fully vaccinated. I joke, I haven't grown a tail. I did not microchip. Even if I was, I carry a cell phone with me at all times and I have a credit card. So like, it's not like the NSA can't find me anyways. And I haven't grown satellite radio, which I wish I could. That way I could have satellite at all times in my ears. So nothing like that has happened to me. Yep. Um, once again, I've reiterate, get vaccinated and wear your damn mask. But, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, moving on from that, uh, Jr. Uh, uh, ha- uh, ha- uh, have, have you done anything uh, anything fun recently? Seen any good movies here recently? I I, uh, I just saw in my Shyamalan's uh, old uh, uh, yesterday. You, you know, um, M Night Shyamalan. I I've never really like I respected his work as a director, but I've just never been a fan of his type of films it just never kind of appealed to me um i think it's one of those things where the films that he creates there's i hate saying this because it makes me feel like i'm not like you know i feel like an animal but i feel like you have to do like a lot of thinking into it you have to like you know really pay attention you have to be like really focused and you can't like have a situation where like if you're in a movie theater you can't go to the bathroom or if you're at home you know you can't get up and get something to snack on like you have to pay attention so when I like when I've seen his films, 
like the Sixth Sense or Signs or Unbreakable. I'm just like, you know, you got to be laser focused. So when I saw old, I just kind of was like, it just wasn't my, just wasn't my cup of tea. I'm sure it was a great, I'm, without you telling me, I'm assuming it was a great film. Uh, it was by no means a bad film and I enjoyed it for the most part. I was a li- just a little bit let down. Uh, I guess I, I kind of had my expectations too high for like what was going on and what was going to be revealed and stuff based on past M. Night Shyamalan films I've seen. And so I was a little bit let down by that. But, but, but like I said, by, by no means is this a bad film. And it is one I would say at least check out. Uh, you know, for me, um, I hadn't done anything, you know, it was just trying to, you know, stay low key. I, I've, I haven't, I don't think I've told anybody, but right now, um, obviously with us being home for so long, I feel like I was kind of, I let my body go a little bit. So I've been really focused in the last five weeks on my diet and training. And I literally like every single day, Kyle, I've ate nothing but egg whites, cucumbers, and chicken for like every meal I've been I've been straight edge, no drugs, no liquor, no nothing in my system. Uh, not that I took drugs to begin with, but, you know, no liquor. Uh, I haven't, you know, consumed many sodas, mostly water and Gatorade and uh, branch chains and just really focus on my diet and my and my training. And um, that's it. I did see, though, and as we'll switch to news a little bit, I saw the extended trailer. I think it was released at Comic-Con at home of uh, Chucky that's going to be debuting uh, simulcast on N- on USA Network and Sci-Fi on October 12th. Yeah, that trailer looked really awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely super excited for the Chucky TV series coming out uh apparently uh from what i've read it's supposed to be based on or around halloween as well and man jennifer tilly looks great in that trailer i'm I'm so happy to see her back in a horror aspect uh i'm I'm, it's just great having her back and just seeing chucky and everything Uh, the whole cast looks amazing the really excited for the tv series uh on top of that i don't know if you were a fan of the tv show uh, but we also got the first trailer for the return of Dexter. It's called Dexter New Blood, and it, it starts in November on Showtime, and it looks really good too. Yes, I was. Um, you know, I'll be honest. I did not get a chance to see the extended trailer. I already knew it was coming, but I was a big fan of Dexter. Um, when it came, now when it came out, uh, my brother actually turned me on to Dexter. So what I did was, I think the first two seasons were on Netflix at the time. Then I went to the store and bought seasons three and four to catch up with the upcoming season five. Um, so like, and then from there I watched at the end of the season. And the way that that show ended, I think it broke everybody's heart. Um, the way that that show ended. So I've like seen that you're gonna have even you know even a limited run of it. I think is um it's gonna be a lot of fun. And, you know, I started thinking about this and I'm sure, you know, I'm not going to beat it to death with, you know, Halloween coming out October 12th. You're going to have Chucky debut on sci-fi and USA Network, you know, simulcast. Then you have Halloween a few days later. 
But, you know, in August, we're getting Candyman, and then we're going to get Scream next year. So this, you know, this upcoming fall and winter is shaping up to be really good for us horror fans. Uh. Yes, speaking. Yes, speaking that when I saw old uh, a trailer for Candyman was attached to it, and man, I just God, I can't wait for Candyman. It's not long till it comes out. I'm so fucking excited for that, especially for Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills can't hear quick enough. And speaking of Halloween Kills, I don't know if you saw. Uh, I don't know how true it is or not, but I saw that apparently there's rumors that Universal and uh, Netflix are, are wanting to work at a deal to have Halloween Kills play on Netflix on Halloween, which would be two weeks after it, it, it's, it releases in theaters. Yes, I did see that come up yesterday. Um, you know, it's one of those things where this is this has been a byproduct of, I think, of COVID and being at home. Obviously, as we all know, the you know the movie industry took a massive hit. You know, from March 2020 to approximately the end of May of 2021, where finally I think Cruella and Black Widow were like the first major, and Fast Nine were like the first major films that were able to make it out to um, major motion pictures theaters of all over the United States and around the world. But with that being said, there were still some films in Cruella and Black Widow being two of them that were released simultaneously with a fee on Disney. I think it's called Disney Plus. Does that sound right, Kyle? Is it Disney Plus? I don't. I can't remember. I know. Yeah, it's Disney Plus. Um, and at the same time, as everybody knows, Warner Brothers signed a deal with HBO Max for thirty days. You could see their films, and it started with Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four last December after Christmas. Up until this point where we've seen Mortal Kombat and now most recently Space Jam. And um, and they've had a lot of success. I think with, with Black Widow itself and them charging $30 to watch it on Disney+, Plus, they did, I think, Kyle, and I could be wrong, almost as much money at with Disney+, Plus as they did in the movie theaters in America. So seeing that moving forward, it's like, I, you know... I don't want to say movie theaters are a thing of the past, but you're, I still, and I've said this for a while, you know, since we've been on the, you know, with our podcast, I, you're going to start seeing this more frequently. Like you're going to see the possibility of a film. I especially think anything below 75 million, it could be higher, maybe a quarter of a million, but I think more 75, 50 to 75 million is the right range. Where if that's the budget, you probably will see films that are more likely to be released direct to streaming, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Disney Plus, whether it's um, you know Hulu or HBO Max, um, because there's a lot of success. And especially if you think, and, I, and I'll give you this prime example, I have a that film Black Widow was thirty dollars to watch. So for me and my wife to go to the movie theaters, we got a ticket. So two tickets, and we saw a matinee, um, a popcorn, and a drink was $31. So for us, it was basically break-even. We saw the movie theaters. But if you have a family of four, Kyle, well, now you've already overshot that $30 price. Then by the time you have popcorn and drinks, you're probably going to spend another you know, $15 right there, minimum, if not 
and if not double. So now you're looking at closer to sixty to seventy dollars. And then if you got kids, you know, you know, one of them's gonna be be wanting candy. So you gotta add candy on top of that. For a family of four, you're looking at anywhere from sixty to eighty dollars to go see a movie. And so for a for a fam, for a parent, they're gonna be like, yeah, I'll pay thirty bucks to see it at home. Because all I have to do is I can go to the store and buy a two liter of soda and bags of microwave popcorn and I get to save money. So um, with in the I'll bring that back around in my long winded statement. I think it is reasonable if the money is right for um, for Halloween kills. If they make if Universal makes a deal with Netflix, if the money's right, it makes all the sense of the world because you're going to have people that may say, you know what? I just may not find time to go to the movie theater or I don't want to pay. I don't know why you wouldn't want to pay to see Halloween kills, but I'm sure there's somebody out there that would be like, I don't want to pay $10 plus popcorn and a soda to go. To the I've movie already theater. took, I've already took off two days of work <laughs> uh, for, for the opening night of, for that. It releases on midnight on the 14th and the 15th. So, and I'm going to fucking be there both nights. I don't care. But I mean, you're going to have people that are say like, you know what? I'll wait two weeks and I'll watch it on Netflix. And you're going to get that those people that are going to be a significant amount. And I'll give you another example. I'll, I'm going to even if it comes on Netflix, I'll, I'm going to watch it the first night. And then when it comes direct to Netflix two weeks later, I'm going to watch it at probably at least once a week. I like that you added once a week. <laughs> if, for those listening, if you didn't know, JR is very excited about Halloween kills. Well, you know, and the reason I say that is because when Halloween 2018 came, the one thing I will say is that I've I've never got into watching a movie twice at a movie theaters. I have friends that do that, especially when it comes to like DC or Marvel or Star Wars. Um, it just has never been a thing of mine because it's just because of how much you have to pay to see a movie in the movie theaters, and plus. I'm sorry, guys. As much as I love, I really do love people, especially, you know, good people. I love good people. I'm very introvert. I don't like being around people um, that I don't know. So going to a movie theater where people don't, as I've cried already about before, people don't have mat- movie matters anymore. Um, it's just I can't I can't find myself to go to a movie theater again. But when Halloween 2018 came out, I was like, this is really freaking good. If that movie came out. On Netflix a week later or two weeks later, I probably would have watched it every at least once a week to get like just because of how I was over the moon with it. Yeah, it uh yeah, I'm excited for all the upcoming movies and theaters. So I'm just excited to be back in theaters and everything. But uh Jared, we're here today to talk about a movie that came out in 2013 that has a very interesting concept. We're, we're talking about The Purge. And let's talk about the, 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 the his concept for a minute. Okay, so The Purge basically one night of the year Americans get to commit any crime they want, including murder for uh, for 12 it's 12 hours correct yeah for, for 12 hours without any kind of consequence uh, as long as it's within those 12 hours and in response supposedly it's made the America in this series crime rate's been really low uh, poverty's really low 
and just America striving because of this one night where people can just get out all of their anger and frustrations. How, how do you feel about that concept and what's your thoughts on that? Um, Man, doesn't it kind of feel like it's kind of worse been like in a form of a purge situation for like the last two years? Uh, <laughs> I mean... Oh, I mean, let's put this, let's start, you talk about the concept of the purge. Let's kind of just start with the the beginning, not the beginning of the purge, but how the movie essentially got to where the purge is. And that was essentially a, after an economic collapse, which obviously we've all been like, because of the COVID pandemic, we've all essentially faced the economic collapse a totalitarian political party known as the New Founding Fathers of America. And for those of you who are not familiar with the, a, a, what is a totalitarian government, it's basically like the equivalent of a um, dictatorship, communism. So the best example I could give you is Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin um, are considered totalitarian uh, leaders. So they passed a law saying that we're going to sanction called the purge where one night a year for 12 hours, you can still commit murder, murder, death, kill, you know, for 12 hours. And essentially did you just drop a MDK I, quote. I did that intentionally. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Love it. MDK all fucking day. Um, shout out to Nick Gage, the king of death match wrestling. But, um, you know, to commit crime and essentially the concept was that as people would, you know, purge their sins by committing crime, that it would drop rates down to nothing and everybody would be happy for the other 364 and one half days of the year. The problem with this whole concept is that similar to what you deal with with our current, God, I feel like we're going to get, we're going to end up in politics. Um, which is not like we haven't done already. But the problem, well, with, the I mean, problem with the concept it's... is that similar, I would say it's like, you know, capitalism. You have the haves and the have-nots. So people who have means are probably going to prosper during the purge and those who don't have means, so people who are low income, which if you look because of a lot of issues, also uh, people of color are the ones that are going to struggle and more than likely are going to be victims of crime. So... That's, you know, that's bad. That's not a good thing. And I'm sure as you've seen from future movies of The Purge, you know, because, you know, the franchise it is, it kind of it shows that it suggests that's exactly what happens, that people who have people who have means, people who, who have who are high income, people of power um, prosper during The Purge and people who are low income, people of color um are victims during the purge yeah uh and and uh, other sequels to this franchise uh kind of uh go uh, go about that what you were just talking about jr how like uh you know, like people of color and, and you know people of lower means uh like a poor and everything don't uh have a uh 
as an advantage uh dear as an advantage in the purge as there, as as uh, as other people like uh, all the wealthy and everything and uh i like that they uh uh go through and do different movies like that uh, uh kind of testing those theories and everything yeah and you know obviously everything from election year to anarchy to the first purge you know really shows into how this you know how the purge got started how it got started to how it evolved to what else goes out there um as we know the first purge is very focused on a family that um does have means but they encounter somebody who who doesn't have means and what happens because of that situation that they're encounter. So this is more focused on this one family. And as you get more into the political, I guess the political aspect of the purge that comes further along in other movies. But, um, I don't know, man, there's, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists. There's a lot of people out there, um, who talk about the needing to, you know, like one thing, I'll give you a, um, a comparison. There's the movie Inferno that stars Tom Hanks as Robert Langdon. It's one of the books that's written by, I think it's Dan Brown. Part of that whole Robert Langdon saga from Angels and Demons, Da Vinci Code. Um, then Inferno's in that somewhere in there. And basically that this gentleman created a virus that would essentially wipe out half of the world's population. I think it's half of the world's population. Half the people would survive, half the people would die. Obviously, you could probably see some sort of comparison between that and COVID-19. Um, yeah. And the reason being is that we as a society have overgrown our population in our consuming resources at an accelerated rate to where we're going to get to a point where there's going to be not enough resources for everybody. So by, you know, eliminating a, you know, population of individuals, you'll be able to reset, you know, your population reset society to where people will be able, the people who survive will be able to prosper. And that's, I think with the whole concept of the purge. And as you've seen is that, by having the purge and people commit crime and potentially, you know, especially with the ultimate crime of murder, you are eliminating, you know, decreasing the, the, po the population of individuals and everybody else that survives is going to prosper. Um, and there's a lot of, I mean, there's people, wacko, crazy people out there who talk about this and it's, it's one of those things where like, it's interesting but when you see like kind of what we've gone through and obviously like, we haven't gone out through like, an, like, you know, we haven't gone through a purge, but when you see some of the things we've gone through, you're like, man, you pretty much think that if it did happen, some people are going to be happy that, you know, that we created a purge in this world, especially after the last year that we've seen stuff on social media and, you know, on the news. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I'd say the purge was a real thing. What would you do? Would you stay, or would you would you go to another country and and hide out for the night? 
That's a good question. It is. It is. I, I, I would honestly probably probably try and like try and uh, probably go to Canada or something and hide out for the night. <laughs> honestly, I'd probably just take a little vacation that week. Um, I would. I honestly don't know because part of me would be like, yeah, the smart thing to do is like, you know, for a week to go to another country and then as you come back and see the aftermath, but then the part of me, it's just like, you know, you have your home is your sanctuary. Your home is your domicile. Your home is your kingdom. And, you know, there's yeah. a part, I think, of being, a, you know, that's ingrained in our DNA that, you know, you want to defend your home and your sanctuary. Um and I, part of me would be like, I would stay here and I would, you know, fend off intruders. Yeah. I will say that, uh, even though I did, uh, I do enjoy, enjoy this, enjoy this one. I still prefer other ones. Uh, I, I prefer the sequels more because it, in my opinion, like I, I hated that this was basically more or less just a home invasion movie. Like, what they did with the purge anarchy in the sequel was how I expected this movie to be. But then when I, when I watched it, it was just a home invasion movie and I didn't really care for that aspect of it. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's one of, it's a film that they introduced this concept of the purge. And I think that's one of the things where they had to, I feel like they had to be careful maybe about how they did it. Because it's a this I'm, I feel like if if we're being honest, like some people be like us, oh, this this is a far fetched idea. Like this, you know, this is you know th this will never happen. But I'm like I think that to also be careful is because there's you know there's crazy people out there, and um, well, and I'll give you an example. This movie was released. A year after Dark Knight Rises released. And if I'm doing the math in my head correctly, which I think I, I am, when the that year before when Dark Knight the Dark Knight movie released is when they had the tragic shooting in Aurora, Colorado at the Dark Knight the Dark Knight Rises premiere, where that gentleman opened fire on the movie theater. And we just seen here in this, you know, on the West Coast, uh, in this, in I think it was some, I think it was in the Los Angeles area, at a screening of the Forever Purge, the most recent Purge movie, that somebody opened fire and killed one person and injured another. So it's like, I feel like they had like the way they introduced this. I feel like it was also kind of like, um. There was like a reason behind it because they like wanted to show this concept, but also had to be like extremely careful on how they did did it because of potential fear of violence. I could be wrong, but yeah, yeah, uh, that could be potentially it. But also, apparently, the director James uh, Monaco uh said was asked this question like why did he opt to have all the purging occur inside of uh one family's home 
but yet the film opens up with footage of multiple like purging taking place outdoors. He said it was only he said it was because they only had apparently nineteen days to shoot the film and two point seven million to work with. So I guess it was more of a budget and time constraint issue. Which I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think you know one. Um, I'll give a you know to give another comparison. One of the movies I love watching, starring Ryan Reynolds, is Deadpool. And I read a, a rumor. I'm not sure how accurate it is, is that the only like shootout sequence is in the beginning because that was basically like that was all they had for like a specific budget of that area was just for, like that beginning shootout. That's why everything else you see is not doesn't have this this crazy shootout scenes after that, and and everything is like you know through sword or something else. So it's entirely possible. It's like hey, like we can't do all this crazy elaborate scenes of death and insane you know violence because it's going to cost x amount of dollars and we don't have that budget for that the 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 direct comparison obviously would be halloween that's why in halloween the the original 1978 you only had like one scene of that had blood and everything else was like essentially the equivalent of of off-screen kills because they couldn't they didn't have any money for special effects yeah that's true oh the interesting thing I read was uh, someone asked the director uh, what was the kind of the inspiration behind the movie. And apparently what it was was he had a, a road rage incident where him and his wife were driving on the freeway when a drunk driver cut them off, uh, nearly killing them. After they uh, got stopped and the drunk driver uh, stopped, the uh, apparently he said the other driver's lack of remorse he uh, enraged him so much that he got into a fist fight and the police eventually had to get involved. And after everything was over, his wife turned to him and commented, how great would it be to have one free murder a year? And he felt bad admitting uh, that this was the inspiration because he said his wife is normally a sweet woman. That is um, no comment. <laughs> and uh and then someone also asked him uh if uh if the purge was real what would what would he do and uh he said that he would honestly probably just go to Canada and hide like I would I mean I think that's like the most reasonable thing to do because you assume like I mean let's be real if I if me as a person I'm like I'm going to stay here and defend my defend my sanctuary I also have to come to the understanding that there is a possibility I'm going to have to kill somebody and that is like, you know, to have that go through your mind that you potentially have to take life of somebody, um, even if even in the course of self-defense, you know, that is a very, that is a thing that um, I think hard to, you know, that'd be hard to live with for a lot of people. I mean, you said even this one of the things you hear for people who deal with PTSD or former war veterans, whether, you know, Vietnam War, World War II, um, say, man, like, you know, I was defending my country, but I still took somebody's life. And that's that's tough when you just say, hey, listen, I could just plop down $4,000 and go somewhere else for a week and then come back. I just think the other thing, too, is that you think, like, what are you coming back to? What if I leave my house and come back and everything's gone? Yeah. 
Yeah, I I feel you. I I, I get the reason why you'd want to stay and defend your home. Uh, this movie uh, star uh, stars uh, Ethan Hawke plays our our main our main character, and he apparently like uh, was he was an old friend of the producer who was Jason Blum, and uh, and the director James. Hey Monaco, he was apparently uh, uh, says he was happy to appear in the Purge to give the low budget movie some star power, because apparently in Blum's productions, cast and crew work off of scale and receive a percentage of the profits. And apparently, Ethan Hawke was reportedly received only three thousand dollars up front, but due to the movie's worldwide success and back end profits, he was uh, probably he probably received more money for this film than any other in his career. And I mean, the budget was three million was around three million dollars, and apparently, and according uh, to the stats, it has a box office total of eighty nine point three. You know, one of the things I say, I the the only reason why I watched this film um, at the time I did was because of Ethan Hawke. So I think they did a great job casting with their lo- with the um, with their small with their you know budgetary constraints. You know, it's, I'll give you another example, um, Sinister. Like the only reason why I watched Sinister was because Ethan Hawke. Um, I really, you know, I think they did. Yeah, the, I think... I, they definitely did the most with the with their budget constraints. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Ethan Hawke uh, was a good addition to both those films, and I can see why it would make people watch it just because of seeing his name attached to it. But uh, yeah, there's just little some fun things bet- beforehand. So uh, I say we get straight into this. Get into the meat and potatoes. Uh, so Carve up some mini entree. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, so we're talking about 2013's The Purge, as we mentioned before. It's directed by James T. Monaco, produced by Jason Blum, uh, stars Ethan Hawke, uh, Ethan Hawke, Le- Lena Headey, uh, Adelaide Kane, and Max Bellcoder. It was uh, released June seventh, twenty thirteen, in the United States. It's a runtime of eighty five minutes, and when we said before a uh, budget of around three million and a box office. It made a box office of eighty nine point three million, so pretty damn successful. And it has spawned a massively successful franchise. So we to start the movie off. It is the year 2016, and yeah, so we start off the movie off, and it's the year 2016, and the U.S. has become a nation reborn because a totalitarian political party called the New Founding Fathers of America are voted into office following an economic collapse. collapse and they pass a law sanctioning uh, the purge an annual event wherein cri- wherein all crime is legal and emergency services are suspended temporarily by 2022 the United States is said to have become virtually crime free with a legal unemployment r- with legal unemployment rates having dropped to zero percent so this is obviously something that is highly successful and is you know, proven to be beneficial to a lot of people. 
especially the U.S. in general. And the the whole thing is the annual thing is for twelve hour period. And there's there's there, it's weird. There's some rules to it, which is odd because it seems like there's no rules, but there is some rules. The the rules or the purge are that official government officials ranking ten or higher uh, are are uh, uh, they're yeah, they're, they're they are can't. protected they're from protected. everything. They, they 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 have to remain unharmed. You can't harm them. And the use of weaponry above class four is forbidden. And but like I said, police emergency services are suspended. And apparently anyone who doesn't follow the rules are executed. Which is oof. Crazy. You have a an event where everything is legal but or nothing is legal, but then there's also rules you have to follow. Well, let's think about it. The reason why that I mean, if you've again, I hate to give the comparisons, but if you've seen where the current landscape has been in the last 18 months that if they didn't protect you know government the first thing that people would probably go after is government i mean i feel like there's been enough movies about like government conspiracies or or a form of you know like i think of films like executive decision air force one the movie a uh, tv show with keith or sutherland designated survivor and then you know unfortunately in real life it's just like that'd be the first thing that people would go after and obviously they're going to, the founding fathers are going to, and the fictional founding fathers of America are going to take care of themselves and let everybody else. Yeah, for themselves. Oh yeah, for sure. So, uh, such of that, you know, the, 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 that's how we, uh, it starts off just explaining what the purge is. And we see our, our main character, James Sandin, who is played by Ethan Hawke. And he is a home security salesman who lives in a, who lives in a big neighborhood in the suburbs of Los Angeles. And he's made a fortune selling security systems featuring security cameras and metallic butts that are specifically designated for the purge. Uh, a neighbor, uh, a Ms. Uh, Ms. Grace Farron, uh, tells uh, James' wife, Mary, that neighbor's gossip claims an extension to the Sandin's uh, house because they, uh, they're they're renovating their home, uh, was financed by the security systems her husband sold them. So she basically said, hey, our neighborhood bought your renovations to your house, which is, you know, kind of shitty to tell your neighbors. And uh, so the, she, she said that. And so now we see the Sandin's house, and it, it's a heavily fortified house. But there, the wife Mary, she struggles because the, uh, they have two kids, Zoe and Charlie. Zoe uh, is their daughter, and she's dating an older, uh, this older boy who the, who uh, James the, uh, doesn't want her to see him because you know he's older. But she's you know a teenager, a rebellious teenager, so she's she defies, goes against her father, and still still dates him in secret. But the little brother Charlie, he's uh, he's constantly questioning the need for and the relevance of the purge. He doesn't understand why we need it, and thinks it's a bad thing. And you know he, he you know he 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 has a point, but the obviously the adults and everything think otherwise and understand why it's needed, but they also don't participate. So Charlie has a little robotic 
as this little little robot video doll that he ended up making for a homework assignment, and he uses that to spy on the family from a secret hiding place in his closet. Uh, Zoe goes to her bedroom where the the older boyfriend who we, who we mentioned earlier, Henry, he ends up waiting for her. He's uh, he ended up sneaking back into her house uh, right before lockdown happened because it's purge night and lockdown's fixing to happen. And he's trying, he tells Zoe he wants to try and convince her father to bless their relationship and let them, and agree to let, let them date. He, he figures that uh, if he snuck in before the purge, his thinking is that he can't be thrown out during the purge at 7 p.m. because he doesn't think that, you know, they'll throw him out. I mean, I don't know about you, JR, but I'd probably, I'd probably throw the day. Listen, I'll say, this. I'll say it for you. I'll, I'll say it for you. I don't have children, but if I had a daughter and some guy that I don't like is dating her, comes into my house in the middle of the purge, I'd be like, you can either walk out that door, or I'm going to throw you out that door. I don't care what <laughs> you happens to you. for yourself, buddy. You, you forced your way into my house, which means that you committed a breaking and entering because you forcefully came in. That I didn't want you in here. And you're trying to like tell me something about dating my daughter? Sorry, yeah. son. <laughs> oh yeah, one hundred percent. So, uh, uh, he 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 does this. He's sneaking in right before lockdown, and all of a sudden, the online there's an emergency broadcast system, uh, a message that comes out over the the TV and stuff that warns uh, the, the U.S. that goes off all the TVs in the U.S that the purge is about to begin and it reiterates that all police, fire, and emergency medical services will be shut down for a 12-hour period. And we hear sirens begin to go off outside, signaling the start of the purge. I love the signal. Hold on real quick. I, I was going to say, have you ever seen the pranks on YouTube where like a, a son or a daughter like puts like that, you know, that message on their TV, for like, you know, to their unsuspecting parent to scare them? I have not. It is hilarious. Um, they're, you know, they're freaking, they're freaking their parents out. Like, you know, they're going to, you know, people are going to come kill us. Like, you know, we got to get our shit. We got to go. Like, the purge is happening. And their parents are like, what? They're like, this ain't real. It goes, it's the fucking news. It's the fucking news. Look at the news. They're telling you it's the purge. People are going to die. Oh shit! I gotta find this. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, and I, I, I love the, the sirens that that go off in this emergency broadcast system. I can't tell you how many times I was at local shows uh, a few years uh, back when this movie came out, and uh, like uh, local metal and hardcore bands was uh, using this right before. The, their set begin as a way to hot people up like so many bands used it or right or in the middle of their songs <laughs> uh but uh the the, the sandins they watch the end they watch the purge unfold through video monitors in the lounge you know how how creepy is it to sit there and watch essentially seeing people get murdered or and beaten and attacked right on your your video monitor while you're safely inside your house you know, it's one of those things where I don't want to, like, 
I don't know what the proper term is, so I'm just gonna say like to be fair, I just you become we all become desensitized to violence to a certain extent. But when you think about it, let's say for example, I believe the purge was based on the, the plot was in twenty fourteen that it was adopted. So now they're like in the futuristic twenty twenty two, which for us is only next year, this because the movie's been out for almost a decade. Um, you know, this would be do the math in my head, close to eight years, at least eight years of purges. So they become desensitized to know, like, yeah, every year for 12 hours, we're going to see dead people. Um, is I just think you become numb to it. Yeah. That's my, obviously, it's not yeah. going through it because, you know, we things like that. But the only comparison I would give is that, you know, us growing up, and we talk about this with like the major motion picture association of America and, and rated our ratings with, you know, blood and gore and violence back in the seventies and eighties. It was like that, that bar was really low. Like you couldn't have so much violence and you would still get rated R nowadays. You and I just got done watching professional wrestling where a guy with a pizza slicer was cutting into somebody's head on live television in front of everybody of a live crowd. And on TNT Network, and nobody even thought about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you make a good point. I can definitely see people being desensitized after a few years of this and just becoming, yeah, well, this is kind of the thing that happens. But uh, so the, they're watching this, this unfold on monitors in their in their lounge, and after a while, uh, their son Charlie is left alone, and he's kind of watching things as well. Uh, from his own little place, and he notices there is a a uh, bloody stranger running outside, begging for help. And uh, Charlie kind of hesitates for a minute, and he keeps hearing this guy yell, begging for help, asking people for to let him in to help him. And so finally, Charlie deactivates the security system, and he ends up letting him in. And uh, he. You know, he, 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 and all of a sudden, of course, once he deactivates the system, the family gets alerted to it. Uh, uh, James uh, ends up running off and reactivating the security system. And as the door's about to shut, the stranger finally uh, makes a run for the house uh, after Charlie calls Moses for him to come in there. And he makes it in just in time as it's shutting. Well, James intercepts the stranger and he ends up holding him at gunpoint. But while this is going down, Henry, the boyfriend, uh, he walks downstairs to, you know, talk to the dad, but he ends up pulling out a gun and he opens fire on James, revealing that his true intentions all along were to kill James to secure his relationship with with Zoe. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a way to weigh your girl's heart right there. Kill her father at gunpoint in the perch. That'll do it. You know, <laughs> you know, Kyle. Um, unfortunately, this has happened in real life multiple times. I and I think there was um, um, a recent situation where a a, a teenage boy um, killed uh, his girlfriend's parents. And it's just, it's just one of those things that this is, this is uh, art imitating, art imitating life. Yeah. Yeah, right here. 
man kills girlfriend's family due to um, like basically you know rejection like you know that they didn't approve of it it's sad but just some people that's what they do yeah it's unfortunate that that people do that but yeah it, it definitely does happen uh so after uh, after Henry pulls out the gun and opens fire at uh, James. James ends up also turning around with his gun, and he shoots, and he ends up fatally wounding uh, uh, Henry. During the confusion, uh, the stranger ends up running off into the house. Well, Zoe takes Henry back to her room, and she ends up watching him die you know, uh, in her floor. Meanwhile, James uh, is runs off, and he's in search of the uh, of the stranger and his daughter, ordering Charlie and his wife, Mary, to wait in the lounge. So, so far, one person's dead. The, the crazy boyfriend's, he's dead upstairs. And now the dad's looking for his daughter and the stranger who is now uh, hidden in his house, who he's let in. He has no idea who he is or what his intentions are or anything. Man, it's like this, you know, their house, they have, it's it's a really big house. And I feel, and they have so many like added like nooks and crannies in this house. I mean, I don't know. For me, if I was, obviously, like you, you know, God, I feel like such a weird concept that we're talking about this, like how you live in a situation. But it's like, I would have a house that's a specific area. Like if I know like this was, you know, I'm planning for the purge, I would probably have like cameras everywhere and everything there would be like no way to hide unless there was like a this one panic room type thing like you couldn't be you wouldn't be able to like to get away from me like i would have just there would be no privacy in this house let's put it that way because of how many cameras to protect you know everything from a purge i would say some like even you get to the point of like halloween uh you remember in halloween 2018 when laurie strode had that house you know in, in her house when michael comes in and as she clears the rooms, she drops that gate down. Yeah, yeah. You know, she dropped. I would, I would have like everything like that. I'd be like, guess what? This area is cleared off. Like, you, there's no one gonna be able to come in through here because this, this is cleared off now. And just keep working my way through that. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. So, uh, so after the, so while this is uh, going on. A, a group of masked uh, criminals end up coming in, end up showing up, and they're led by by this, this sadistic man in the suit wearing this, I don't even know what kind of mask it is, uh, but he ends up approaching their house, and he's looking for the stranger that they let in. He tells them on their camera uh, that he's going to kill everyone inside unless the family surrenders the stranger, who is uh, just who he says is just a homeless man who is just a who who no one knows and he claims that it's that that makes him a good candidate for purging well james admits to his wife that the security system was designed to act as a deterrent but not to withstand any number of aggressive assaults uh, Charlie, the son, he ends up finding the stranger uh, using his uh, little robot 
and he ends up leading him to his secret hiding place. However, the daughter Zoe is held captive by the stranger after she stumbles into his hiding place. Uh, James uh, uh, ends up showing up and he ends up uh, subduing the stranger and he plans to turn him over to the pursuers outside. However, the family end up having a change of heart after realizing they are becoming essentially no different than the people outside. The the uh, the mass criminals led by what is known as the plot leader. He's seeming he's seemingly unsatisfied. He announces that their time is up, and they end up using some chains and trucks, and they tear down the metal walls and enter the house. And the Sandins are forced to defend themselves. Uh, James t- sees two of the murderers in the game room. He kills the first attacker by shooting her in the chest with a pump-action shotgun, and he kills the second by throwing the killer's face down into a pinball machine and dragging his head across the pieces of broken glass, stabbing his head. Really awesome kill. Uh, another perjurer tries to kill James, but James grabs a fire axe and throws the blade down the murderer's back, killing him. And then he leaves the room, but as he's leaving the room, I, I love this sequence. He's leaving the room, and right as he t- turns the corner, the polite leader comes out of nowhere and and stabs him. Just immediately as he turns the corner, he's stabbed. As uh, so, you know, James has now been stabbed by the plot leader, and from the looks of it, it looks to be fatal. As uh, this is going on, uh, the neighbors that we saw earlier at the beginning of the movie who was, you know, basically saying that, hey, we bought you for your guys' renovations for your houses. They end up heading into the house with some other neighbors, and they kill two of the the perjurers outside, and then uh, the wife, Mary, she's attacked, and she's attacked by some of the other people, the other perjurers, and she's about to be killed, only for... uh, two of the neighbors, Mr. and Mrs. Halverson, to arrive and shoots the attackers and then Mary goes, uh, runs off and she goes off in search of her family. After she finds, after uh, locating Mary, uh, after locating Mary, Charlie, and James, uh, the plot leader finds Mary, Charlie, and James, uh, who James, like I said, he's been fatally stabbed, so he's dying. The, the plot leader attempts to kill them, but the daughter Zoe emerges uh, from the door and she shoots she shoots the plot leader and kills him. So then the neighbors end up entering the room after they've killed the remainder of the perjurers. Uh, Mary thanks the neighbors uh, for helping them and coming and, and helping them uh, fight off the people, but then the neighbors end up revealing that they have come to kill the Sandins as the opportunity for the patriotic duty happens to coincide with their hatred for the family's wealth. So they had other reasonings for being there. They weren't there to help out at all. As the the neighbors are fixing to kill the family, the the stranger that they let in earlier, he ends up coming to the Sandin's rescue. He he kills Mr. Uh, Callie with uh, with a handgun, and he ends up uh, 
holding the, re- the remaining neighbors at gunpoint, deciding that too many people have already been killed and to ensure the neighbors live with their guilt. And I love this because it's like, you think he's going to kill them, but no, he literally is just holding them at gunpoint and making them wait out for the rest of the purge. Uh, the the wife Mary she ends up sparing 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 their lives and they sit they literally sit at the kitchen table awaiting for the end of the purge and there's a one part where in a last desperate act to try and get away Grace uh, the the neighbor tries to grab Mary's gun but Mary beats her with the butt of the gun and then slams her face onto the table uh, screaming that they should have had enough of the purge. Awesome scene. She fucks up. Her oh face yeah, yeah. Bad. She fucked her up. Absolutely deserved it. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, you know, so they're sitting there, and all of a sudden, it the uh, clock strikes seven a.m. It's been twelve hours. The sirens go off. The purge is over. The surviving neighbors uh, that they left and the stranger end up leaving the house and walking away as the sirens are going off, and the family end up watching the service vehicles arrive outside, and they're carrying away the murdered. Uh, bodies of the purgers and uh, the, the dad's uh, body, James. Uh, I, you know, and then all of a sudden, and then during the credits, the radio broadcast states that the purge was the most successful one yet due to the record high number of murders with stock markets opening high due to the re- release of aggression and sales of home defense systems and weapons booming. The purge will be held again next year, setting up our sequel. You know, all I could think about when when they did that was the fact that uh, was the fact that like do you realize like the funny situation that they're in now? Like, how are the Sandins gonna like go around the neighborhood and like? see the neighbors that really just came in and tried to kill them like how is that interactions gonna be like i can just see them like driving off like and, and then they see the the neighbors outside and they just roll down the window and give them the finger as they drive <laughs> it's like it's like you know your neighbors want to kill you and they tried to kill you and you let them go and now you just have to live with this awkward situation of oh yeah the neighbors tried to kill me but i let them go so so fuck them I mean, the thing is, you also have to think about is there's going to be another purge in a year. So you people that you know hate you and want to kill you, why are you letting them go? Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't... Especially because you at the end, she did, obviously the... The female neighbor, I, I don't know her name. Um, she obviously, uh, she's obviously, you know, didn't learn her lesson when she went for the gun. So, yeah, yeah, she obviously did not learn her lesson. I would be very careful about, uh, uh, about uh, being around, like especially when it comes around purge time next year. Like, imagine, like, you know, I, I assume they would try to kill him again. Absolutely, that's all right. I, I mean, if we're 
you know, like in the concept of the film, I wouldn't have allowed them to le- to live. Absolutely not. That's just that's crazy. Yeah, I don't think I, I would allow um, them to live. But if I did allow them to live, I would make their life hell, or make them not want to live in that neighborhood after that day for sure. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of want to, you know, obviously as we just reached the end and we're getting to our kind of our closing thoughts. There's a few things I was going to say. You know, if we're looking at this film, this like if you like putting ourselves like in this setting of this film. Um, I would, one of the things I was, I was going to say was one of the things I would do is when they get to the situation where the, the purgers come to them, right. They're there like in the walkway, like, wouldn't you have, like, wouldn't you want to find a way to like, you know, if somebody's trying to break in through my front door, I'm going to like, like, I want to be able to either like pick them off by having an area where like I can you like have a firearm or be able to like drop like a grenade on them. Like, is that weird or is that just me? No, no, I can't blame you. And, and then the other thing would be is, so after they did, then they told them that they're waiting, you know, they're going to give them a specific amount of time to release the stranger. And they're all just running around the house. I would like, there would be areas that I would find and they, you know, just, even just little holes where I would be like their sniper positions. I'd be like, if you're surrounding my house, I'm going to pick you apart. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's, I mean, and like I just said, like, you know, looking at it, obviously we talk about the film and what we would do, but if you're going to have a home security system and you're going to do everything, like if I'm going to be there and I'm going to fortify my house, like it's going to look a certain way. It's going to be a certain way. Um, I honestly would, I would fucking, as they're, to the point, Kyle, I'd probably build a fucking moat and have alligators in that moat. That's actually a good idea. I wish I would have thought of that. I have, you know, have a drawbridge, you know, do a freaking have like a, um, I, I don't know what it's called, Kyle, but like, you you know, like an army of darkness, you know, they have like the castle and you have like the, the, um, the archers are at the top of it shooting arrows. I would have something like, I don't know if there's a name for it. I can't remember the name, but I would have something like <laughs> Damn, that. Damn, you're going all out with this shit. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you're telling me I got to survive for 12 hours and obviously, like, they're, everybody in the neighborhood fucking hates them. So I'm be like, yeah, come near me. Like, you're gonna, like, you're not gonna make it 10 feet. <laughs> you're gonna be like, uh, uh, you're gonna be like one of those, like, old, old medieval like kings you're gonna be like hit, hit up in a throne room but you're gonna make anybody who's trying to come get you go through absolute hell trying to come get you yep uh, <laughs> it's good times uh so uh, any final thoughts uh and review you know i just i kind of put myself back in 2013 when this film came out and i just you know like we i'll say you know as a comparison, we talked last year about, I mean, last week about Friday, Friday 13th was essentially an attempt to rip off Halloween. Um, and so, every, you know, everything in entertainment's been done, redone, overdone. You know, the concept's been utilized. It's just part of when you're doing it, when you entertainment's been around for over 100 years, you know, you expect that. And I felt like when this film came out, to my knowledge, I felt it was very unique because nothing like this I had ever seen before. And finding that uniqueness in cinema, I just thought was, you know, pretty cool thing, especially with this concept. Um, I do think they did. I believe they did the most 
with their budget that they could. Um, I just, you know, obviously the star was Ethan Hawke because of his name in other films. Um, you know, me most famously, I remember him in uh, Training Day as the um, as the police officer Hoyt. Um, and then there was a, I'm trying to remember, there was another movie he did with Jennifer Lopez. Um, I wish I remember the name of it was. He played like this this crazy killer. No, it wasn't Jennifer Lopez. I'm sorry. It was Angelina Jolie. That's who it was. Um, I think it was called Taking Lives. It came out 2004. Yeah, it was, that's exactly what it was. Ta- Taking Lives with Angelina Jolie. So obviously they use that to his, um, you know, to their advantage with his, you know, being like the kind of star of the movie. And I just think they, I think it was really good. I thought, I thought they did a good job. And so. What would be your, uh, what would be your rating? Uh, uh, I say, I guess purge mask. Um, you know, one of the, obviously we look at what can we do to make this, this film better? You know, could they cut time? Could they add things? Could they rework things? Was there any plot holes? Um, obviously I think the concept of the purge got, and what they did got better with each passing film on, you know, making, whether it was the the situation they were facing themselves in, uh, the, the kills, the things like that, the sequences. But I, I, you know, looking at this film, you know, it was really centered around one family. Um, I don't, I really don't think there's anything they could have done with this particular story to make it better. Like the concept I think got better, as they blew it up in, in other films, but with this particular family um, and the way they did it, I don't, I, I mean, making them more prepared, obviously, but if you made them more prepared and instead of the minute that someone knocks on their door, be like, Hey, we're here to get the stranger. Be like, Oh, guess what? You're dead. Cause I just dropped a grenade on you. So, um, I'd give it a good solid four. I'm sure there is something that could be done to rework it if you want to put in like maybe more unique kills, um, more unique sequences. Uh, I'll say this though: I the kid, I know he had a heart, but man, this kid—he reminded me of the kid of the TV show The Strain. It's just like, dude, if you just listen, you would have faced yourself in these problems. Like, if he didn't do anything, like the whole movie wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that's true. He would have let the stranger in. He definitely, movie wouldn't have happened. But you know, you know, we're all human. Eventually, any one of us with any sense of empathy would probably start to feel bad, and would probably just say, "Fuck it, let this guy in." Especially if we had the means to protect him. What about you, Kyle? What what would you give this out of uh, Purge? Uh, Well. I don't know. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go three and a half because, like I said, while I enjoyed it, I don't like that it's basically just a home invasion movie. I expected a lot more. Like I wanted it to be more like the sequels to be, 
which you know I understand why they didn't do it now, uh, given that you know it was, it was kind of budget reasoning and and uh, uh, f- uh, film and and and, and uh, a time constraint stuff like that. But uh, you know, like I, said, I wanted something more than a home invasion movie, and also there was just some things in here that I think could have been cut, like uh, but the whole boyfriend thing. That just seemed very unnecessary, considering that the dad just shoots and kills him, and he dies immediately. It was like, well, what was the point of that? That just was. There was really no point in that. I guess it was. It, I mean, I, I guess it it set up a way for the stranger to disappear, but at the same time, it just seemed kind of pointless. But uh, and oh, the, there were some good kills and stuff here and there. Uh, and you know, it wasn't a bad movie by any means, but uh, I just don't like. The fact that it's literally just a home invasion movie. So I'm going to go with three and a half. You know, as you said that, it, it brought me in, um, it brought me to the, the idea of uh, the movie Panic Room with Jodie Foster. When the um, individuals had broken because they thought that it was going to be empty and they're looking for, the, I think it was a safe for valuables and Jodie Foster, her daughter, hides in a panic room and uh they're trying to get into the panic group to get them out so i i see what you're saying with that like there could have been a for they could have like you know weaponized they could have like geared 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 up in order to you know fend for themselves and it seemed more as that it, it didn't happen yeah that's true but, uh, yeah, Jared, what do you say we uh, wrap a bow on this one? Well, you know, definitely I enjoyed this month. I think we had a great a great selection of films that we selected throughout this um, summer month of horror. And then next month, as we mentioned, we're switching over to Netflix. These are all original films, horror films that were made for netflix which i think is amazing because we can tell all of our listeners if you have netflix you can watch every single film we're, we're choosing and i really feel confident in the films that we pick that we pick some great ones and i know sometimes we pick some that are difficult for us to get hyped up on but the ones that you and i have put together through the month of august i'm really excited about and i um especially because we've seen one of them most recently and i can't wait to get into a deep dive with it oh yeah and i where to put out the I already put it out on our Twitter what we're doing. Uh, so, you know, for everybody, next episode, we will get to deep dive into one of my favorite, my favorites that I've seen recently of the, uh, we're talking, we're going to uh, do part one uh, of the Fear Street trilogy uh, of 1994. And I'm super excited for that one. Loved that entire trilogy and especially loved 94. So with that, um, I'll leave you with this. I As this episode would drop on Friday, which would be July 30th, uh, we want to thank all of our listeners. And again, I know the beginning of our episode, we kind of went off into the weeds about, you know, the whole vaccine and mask. And the most important thing, and not to rehash that, I just want to say is everybody just, we want everybody to stay healthy um, and we want to get that sense of normalcy back and anytime that we you know for us and i and i'll say i'll speak for kyle is that for us as we're beginning to move forward with getting our normalcy back and 
to hear that that potentially is going to be taken away is just very, just, we can't go through another, you know, year that we went through and that's what we don't want. So everybody, like I said, we, we want everybody to stay healthy. We don't want anybody to get, you know, get sick or suffer severe illnesses. So please, you know, wear your masks in public until further notice, make sure you get vaccinated if you haven't. And we thank all of our listeners. Um, and with that, we must bid you adieu. Goodbye, good night, and remember, every day is Halloween.